Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I pray that you are well. Always, always, always. We are three days from Christmas Eve. Three days from, for the, from the coming of Messiah. Um, this is also Hanukkah, uh, which in English is dedication. John chapter 12, our Lord celebrated under the old law, the Feast of Dedication, which is celebrated to this day by the Jewish people. Um, the uh, miracle of the oil uh, when the temple was destroyed um, and they had oil for one day and they went to get more oil and the oil that was lit for one day lasted eight days and they came back and were able to reconsecrate the altar that was desecrated uh, Judas Maccabeus and to this day the Jewish people celebrate with great happiness and joy that eight-day miracle that God did of keeping one day of oil going for eight days until they return to dedicate the temple. Very, very wonderful. And for those candles to be added to the Advent candles is just an absolute glorious glorious thing. Jesus stood in the midst of Jerusalem during the Feast of Dedication. All the menorahs are lit and said, I I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. And the light of the world is coming Saturday Eve, Christmas Eve at midnight in Bethlehem in the piercing cold. It's so beautiful, beloved. Um, Our newsletter, our Christmas newsletter, which is normally our newsletters are eight or at the very most 12 pages. This one is 28 pages. It is quite a newsletter. And the first one we have printed from um, our new home in Tyler, Texas. So it's going to be huge. Um, It's actually going to be a keepsake because in there, um, we've printed it on heavier stock and uh, it's going to be very expensive postage-wise for us. But um, it's in my heart, every day that God gives me to breathe, I would like to use everything he gives me, every penny, every energy, every cell in me to keep nothing, but to give everything away that the world may know him. So what we've done in this newsletter is put the faith once delivered to the saints in the newsletter, what it means to be Catholic, what we must believe, and what we must do. And it is uh, defines what can and cannot be changed of the faith. So so much confusion today with things being changed. Um, and this newsletter will tell you exactly what the Catholic Church teaches that cannot be changed, what must be done, and the things that can be changed. Truth, beloved, does not develop. Truth can never be changed. How we live out the truth can change as long as it doesn't distort the truth. It yet needs to be in keeping with the truth. So this newsletter is good. There's a couple of beautiful, actually three beautiful Christmas stories in it as well. Um, I'm very happy for it. So it's already on the press. and um, But then it takes 
the time to ship it to us and for to be mailed out. So if you're not on our mailing list and you'd like to be, we'll send it out by email. Uh, maybe at the end of this week, and then we'll put it in the regular mail. So hopefully you'll get it uh, next within the next couple of weeks, yet within the Christmas season, within Christmas tide, which for us um, ends on February 4th with the Feast of the Presentation of Our Lord in the Temple Candle Mass that the light of the world has come. And so if you're not on our mailing list and you'd like to be, we we try even to get out three newsletters a year. We haven't succeeded in a few years to get more than two. Uh, we don't share our mailing list. Everything is confidential with us. We give nothing out. Um, but if you'd like it, you can go to our website, www.motherofisraelshope.org and click on newsletter over to the right. And as you click, you'll see how to sign up um, and indicate whether you'd like it uh, by email or regular mail or both. We don't mind the postage for regular mail because we also have a beautiful holy card that we print differently with each newsletter. And there's a beautiful one in this newsletter. Um, so don't worry about that. You're welcome to. Uh, we don't charge for anything. So um, we accept your hearts and anything you want to give, especially your prayers um, and your sacrifices to God. Um, so if you wish to get a newsletter, sign up, uh, motherofisraelshope.org, and again, indicate if you'd like email or regular mail or both. Not an issue at all for us. It's your preference. So, okay, now, people have been asking me, uh, left and right, as we near uh, Christmas Eve, the coming of God, the triune God of Abraham in human flesh, what do we do? How do we prepare? And in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, Exodus chapter 19, God told uh, the people of Israel through Moses how to prepare for his coming on Mount Sinai, where they wouldn't see him. All they would do is hear a thunder or a rumble, and they couldn't touch the mountain. They couldn't come near it. They had to stay quite a distance back. They had to refrain from marital relations, not because that's not a good and holy thing that God has given, but they needed to refrain from everything to be holy and to bathe physically and to refrain from all sin and to be there, to even be there in front of the mountain and hear him, hear the rumble, hear the thunder. They couldn't even hear his voice and they trembled. We should do that, beloved. We should do that before the Holy Eucharist. That is the God who came down on Sinai, who became man for us and entered life as a little babe that we could touch and adore like us. He became like us in order for us to become like him. How do we do that? How do we prepare? If you, I know it's busy, last-minute Christmas shopping, um, decorating homes and all of that, but... Oh, dear ones, if there's any way you could simplify your life and really um, work with your children toward the building up of Advent and let them, as Michael Matt's story, Waiting for the Christ Child, we've put it in our newsletter again for the third year. It's so magnificent to me because it's not just a story. It's the faith lived by a family through from generation to generation, and I found it just exquisite. Um, so for this week, what they used to do is all good works that the children did. They would take straw and put straw 
in the manger so that the baby had a nice cushion bed when he came, not just a few pieces of straw. So let your children do that this week. All of you do that for all good deeds that you do, for kindnesses, for all of that. Let them fill that little manger with straw to be ready for the baby on Christmas Eve. Don't put that baby in. Even if you have a, um, a manger set up, whether it's indoors or outdoors, don't you put that baby in the manger until he comes Christmas Eve. Peter wrote, St. Peter, our first pope, our first Jewish pope, wrote to the Jews who were in exile because they were the first Christians, Christians, the Jews. The Jews, the Messiah came through Israel, for Israel, and for the whole world, but they were persecuted by the Jewish people, their own, who did not believe in him. So they were scattered and exiled all over the Mediterranean. And we are, dear ones, we are exiled from our motherland, from our homeland, which is heaven. We pray um, in the Hail uh, Holy Queen. After this, our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. We are in exile from our fatherland, and this is how we are to live in exile, just the way Peter wrote to the Jews scattered. And he writes to the exiles, First Peter, the book of First Peter, chapter 1, to the exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who have been chosen and destined by God the Father and sanctified by the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and to be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in abundance. Beloved, that describes us. We have been chosen and destined by God the Father, sanctified by the Spirit. What? To believe and do what we want? No. To be obedient to Jesus Christ and to be sprinkled with his blood. And Peter says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Beloved, teach your children their true inheritance. As glorious as Christmas is, as wonderful as the gifts you may have gotten them or plan to give them, nothing is more uh, magnificent than our treasure in heaven, which is undefiled. It won't break not battery-operated, and it's kept in heaven for us. Us who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, Peter says, even if now for a little while you have had to suffer various trials so that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold, that though perishable, is tested by fire, your faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy, for you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You should read the whole books of First and Second Peter to your entire family because they're written by our first pope to the dispersed Christians all over Asia Minor being persecuted for a faith that is more precious than gold and no one, not even Satan himself, can rob us from it. 
There's the music for our first break, beloved. We'll be right back after the break. God bless you. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. Many of you are familiar with Mother Miriam Live, but I wonder if you have listened to some of the other programs from the Station of the Cross, such as The Catholic Current. Father Robert McTague discusses important topics in the church and in the world each weekday at 5 p.m. Eastern. You can listen anytime to The Catholic Current as a podcast on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. The Station of the Cross is listener-funded, and we value your ongoing generosity. In this fast-paced world, it's easy to let your recurring donation slip due to something like a new address or a card number change. If you suspect that we might not have your up-to-date donor information, you can check with us during regular business hours at 1-877-888-6279, extension 104, or anytime online at thestationofthecross.com. What you're offering and giving to me, you deserve to get back because you're offering more than I can give. I learned so much through the station on the cross. I listen to the radio station daily and I absolutely love it. I was attending the chapel and places like that and through your programs I was able to find out how other Protestants had come back into the Catholic Church. God bless the station of the cross. Donate today at thestationofthecross.com. This is Jesuit Father Robert McTague, your daily host of The Catholic Current. Join me on Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern to welcome back Dr. Jennifer Morris of the Ruth Institute. I'm going to ask her the painful question, who's grooming our children? My answer is lots of people, and we have to stop them. Hear it all in The Catholic Current on Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, coming to you from the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We are reading uh, St. Peter's first letter to the dispersed Jews in the first century who gave their lives to Christ and were persecuted by their families, were ostracized from the synagogue, were called traitors to the Jewish people. But they actually uh, were the ones who were not traitors. They believed in, they believed God. They believed that he fulfilled his promises and sent the Messiah. So Peter says to them, um, in this you rejoice, even if now for a little while you have had to suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold, that though perishable is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy, for you are receiving the outcome of your faith, 
the salvation of your souls. Therefore, beloved, how do we live? He says, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace intended for you made careful search of this inquiry, inquiring about the time and circumstances that the Spirit of Christ within them indicated when it testified in advance to the sufferings intended for Christ and the subsequent glory. All the prophets, especially um, Isaiah, whom we read much of through this Advent season. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you, in regard to the things that have now been announced to you through those who brought you good news by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. They don't know what we, they don't, haven't, didn't know what we know now. How do we therefore live? St. Peter says, therefore, Because of this, prepare your minds for action. Discipline yourselves. Set all your hope on the grace that Jesus Christ will bring you when he is revealed. Like obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires that you formerly had in ignorance. Instead, as he who called you is holy, be holy yourselves in all your conduct. For it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. If you invoke his father, the one who judges impartially according to each person's work, live in fear during the time of your exile. You know that you were ransomed from the futile conduct inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. He was destined before the foundation of the world, but was revealed at the end of the ages for your sake. And though you have come to trust in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, through him rather, through Christ, you have come to trust in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your trust and hope are in God. Now, Peter says, that you have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth so that you have genuine mutual affection, love one another deeply from the heart. You have been born anew, not of perishable, but of imperishable seed, the living and enduring word of God, for all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. That word is the good news that was announced to you. Beloved, whatever disappointments you have, your spouse disappoints you, your children disappoint you, your parents disappoint you, your friends disappoint you, uh, your your employer, uh, government, the world. Is that true? Should we not be disappointed? And of course we get disappointed. Uh, that's okay. But why did the scriptures say there's no disappointment in Christ? There's no disappointment in Jesus because he is the one who is true. He is the one who is faithful. He is the one who cannot fail and who will never fail you. He's given us the freedom to love him or turn from him, just as he did Adam and Eve. Jesus said, you shall know the truth. The truth shall set you free. Nothing but the truth should set you free. You could be imprisoned with chains, but if you have Christ and him and his salvation, you are free. You are free to love him, to know him, to live for him no matter what the circumstance. 
So when you have disappointment from somebody, you get disappointment. He let you down. She let you down. He doesn't love me. That's not love. My parents don't love me. My children betray me, all of that. These are the fruits of fallen mankind. But always turn your heart to the one who has never failed, who loved you from the beginning, who will love you to the end. And if you cannot forgive anyone for what they've done to you, no matter how heinous the crime, no matter how scarred you are for life, if you cannot forgive them, then you are asking God to not forgive you. Yeah, but I didn't sin like they sinned. I didn't commit the crimes they, no, you didn't. But it doesn't. one tiny sin is enough to separate you from God for all eternity. And the fact is, you came into the world separated from God. And it's by his grace, if you've been baptized and you are a Christian and you are living your faith, it's only by his grace that you believe. It's only by his grace that you live for him. Well, how come he doesn't live for him? Or she doesn't live for him? Who knows? I don't know why I do. It's because of the grace of God poured into my heart. Do I deserve it? I'll never deserve it. Did I earn it? There's no way. Am I worthy? There's no way. Well, why did he pour his love on me? I don't know. He did it freely, as he did to you. So whoever falls short in your mind or in your life, whatever you expect from them, immediately know that you have fallen short of a holy God. People that fall short of us fall short of a sinner. They've offended a sinner, but we have offended a holy God. That's much greater. The degree of sin has not to do with the sin committed, but the one sinned against. Whoever I sin against on earth, whoever sins against me, sins against a sinner. But I, even if I think my sins are respectable, that's crazy, of course, I'm sinning against a holy God, which makes my little sin a thousand times greater than somebody else's big sin. You see? Because I am sinning against a holy God. I dare you, dear ones, spend the rest of this Advent week loving one another. Loving one another. Um, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. I am looking up, hold on, a story that I actually have in the newsletter, probably also for the, for the third time. Um, it's called A Baby's Hug. And it is the story. I've read this before, not this year. I'm going to read it to you. We probably have just enough time for it before the break. It's the story of a little baby and a skid row bum and parents who lost the perspective of how freely they've been given God's salvation and God's love. And what do we have that we haven't received? How do we expect from others what God has given us? We don't know he's given it to them, but hasn't he given grace to everybody? He reigns on the righteous and the unrighteous. But we don't know what God has done in someone's heart. We simply don't know that. So this computer is not working for me right now. I'm hoping it'll come up. Uh, it's the most beautiful, beautiful, beautiful story. Um, let me give out the toll-free number, um, and I think one or two of you have called in ahead of time. So God bless you, and uh, we'll be with you immediately after the break. We'll have our we'll have our half hour all to ourselves, 
and uh, you'll be able to call in uh, with anything on your heart, toll free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at the station of the cross.com. Let me see if I can get this story in before the break. It's, it's just so fantastic. And I know a number of you have heard it before. This is a true story of a, um, of a couple sitting in the restaurant with their little baby. Um, little baby's name is Eric. And the mother writes this. She writes it anonymously. It's all over the web. It's free for you to find. She says, we were the only family with children in the restaurant. I sat Eric in a high chair and noticed everyone was quietly sitting and talking. Suddenly, Eric squealed with glee and said, hi. He pounded his fat baby hands on the high chair tray. His eyes were crinkled in laughter and his mouth was barred in a toothless grin as he wriggled and giggled with merriment. I looked around and saw the source of his merriment. It was a man whose pants were baggy with a zipper at half mast and his toes poked out of would-be shoes. His shirt was dirty and his hair uncombed and unwashed. His whiskers were too short to be called a beard and his nose was so varicose it looked like a road map. We were too far from him to smell, but I was sure he smelled. His hands waved and flapped on loose wrists. Hi there, baby. Hi there, big boy. I see you, Buster, the man said to Eric. My husband and I exchanged looks as if to say, what do we do? Eric continued to laugh and answer, hi. Everyone in the restaurant noticed and looked at us. And then the man, the old geezer, was creating a nuisance with my beautiful baby. Our meal came, and the man began shouting from across the room, Do you patty cake? Do you know peekaboo? Hey, look, he knows peekaboo. Nobody thought the old man was cute. He was obviously drunk. My husband and I were embarrassed. We ate in silence, all except for Eric, who was running through his repertoire with the admiring Skid Row bum, who in turn reciprocated with his cute comments. We finally got through the meal and headed for the door. My husband went to pay the check and told me to meet him in the parking lot. The old man sat poised between me and the door. Lord, just let me out of here before he speaks to me or Eric, I prayed. As I drew closer to the man, I turned my back trying to sidestep him and avoid any air he might be breathing. As I did, Eric leaned over my arm, reaching with both arms in a baby's pick-me-up position. Before I could stop him, Eric had propelled himself from my arms to the man's. Suddenly... A very old, smelly man and a very young baby consummated their love relationship. Eric, in an act of total trust, love, and submission, laid his tiny head upon the man's ragged shoulder. The man's eyes closed, and I saw tears hover beneath his lashes. His aged hands, full of grime, pain, and hard labor, cradled my baby's bottom and stroked his back. No two beings have ever loved so deeply for so short a time. I stood awestruck. The old man rocked and cradled Eric in his arms, and his eyes opened and set squarely on mine. He said in a firm, commanding voice, You take care of this baby. Somehow I managed, I will, from a throat that contained a stone. He pried Eric from his chest lovingly and longingly, as though he were in pain. I received my baby, and the man said, God bless you, ma'am. 
You've given me my Christmas gift. I said nothing more than a muttered thanks. With Eric in my arms, I ran for the car. My husband was wondering why I was crying and holding Eric so tightly and why I was saying, my God, my God, forgive me. I had just witnessed Christ's love shown through the innocence of a tiny child who saw no sin, who made no judgment, a child who saw a soul and a mother who saw a suitable. Our family had been going through crisis. Little by little, we just found ourselves drifting completely away. I was afraid to go back. I mean, I cried the first time I received the sacraments again. Cried because I was back and because I had allowed God to become a part of me again. It's united our family. There's peace in our home that we didn't have before. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org today. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for December 20th. Today we celebrate Saint Dominic of Silos. Today's saint was born into a peasant family in Spain around the year 1000. As a young boy, Dominic spent time in the fields, welcoming the solitude. When he grew up, he became a Benedictine monk and served in numerous leadership positions. Following a dispute with the king over monastery property, Dominic and two other monks were exiled. They established a new monastery in what at first seemed an unpromising location. Under Dominic's leadership, however, it became one of the most famous houses in Spain, reporting many healings. Wealthy patrons endowed the monastery, allowing Dominic to ransom Christians who'd been taken prisoner by the Moors. About 100 years after his death, in 1073, Dominic appeared to a grieving mother who'd made a pilgrimage to his tomb. He assured the young woman that she would bear another son, which she did. Her son became the Dominic, who founded the Order of Preachers, the Dominicans. From that time until 1931, the abbot's staff used by St. Dominic of Silos was used to bless the Spanish queen and was placed under her bed before childbirth. The new Saint of the Day app is available now for your smartphone or tablet. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I am live and thrilled to be with you three days before Christmas Eve, before the Lord of all the earth uh, takes on flesh. Well, he already took it nine months ago, but he will be born into the world through the Virgin Mary, who remained a virgin. Um, This is our half hour together, but I want to take the first um, minute and a half to complete the story that we we um, were reading as the um, sound faded out for the break, and so uh, for those of you who weren't in on the story, it was a couple eating at a restaurant with their little baby Eric in the high chair, and there was a skid row bum um, across the restaurant who was playing with him and patty cake and all that, and utterly embarrassing the parents. Finally, they finished their meal. They headed to the door. The door. The, the husband went to pay the bill and told his wife to meet him in the parking lot. And she said, 
as she carried Eric through the front door. She prayed, just let me out of here before he speaks to me or Eric, I prayed. And I'm just going to repeat the ending so I can go all the way to the end. And the mother says, this is a true story that a mother wrote. She said, as I drew closer to the man, I turned my back, trying to sidestep him and avoid any air he might be breathing. As I, as I did, Eric leaned over my arm, reaching with both arms in a baby's pick-me-up position. Before I could stop, stop him, Eric had propelled himself from my arms to the man's. Suddenly, I'm, I'm, I'm all chills, beloved. I don't know how many times I've read this story and I'm a goosebump. Suddenly, a very old-smelling man and a very young baby consummated their love relationship. Eric, in an act of total trust, Love and submission laid his tiny head upon the man's ragged shoulder. The man's eyes closed, and I saw tears hover beneath his lashes. His aged hands, full of grime, pain, and hard labor, cradled my baby's bottom and stroked his back. No two beings have ever loved so deeply for so short a time. I stood awestruck. The old man rocked and cradled Eric in his arms, and his eyes opened and set squarely on mine. He said in a firm, commanding voice, You take care of this baby. Somehow I managed, I will, from a throat that contained a stone. He pried Eric from his chest, lovingly and longingly as though he were in pain. I received my baby, and the man said, God bless you, ma'am. You've given me my Christmas gift. I said nothing more than a muttered thanks. With Eric in my arms, I ran for the car. My husband was wondering why I was crying and holding Eric so tightly and why I was saying, my God, my God, forgive me. I had just witnessed Christ's love shown through the innocence of a tiny child who saw no sin, who made no judgment, a child who saw a soul and a mother who saw a suit of clothes. I was a Christian who was blind, holding a child who was not. I felt it was God asking, are you willing to share your son for a moment when he shared his for all eternity? The ragged old man unwittingly had reminded me to enter the kingdom of God, we must become as little children. That's a true story written anonymously by a mother. It's magnificent, isn't it? And we need to treat everyone um, how do I say, as that little baby treated that skid row bum, all he saw was a soul. Didn't make any judgments. Just a soul. That's what we need to see in everyone. From the richest person to the skid row bum. We need to see a soul in everyone because that's who Christ died for. Every soul. Now we have 25 minutes left instead of the whole half hour and we'll take your calls, your texts, and your emails. Uh, With anything on your heart, our lines are wide open. Call in uh, toll-free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Denise, you patient soul, I know you've been on the phone a while all the way from Toronto. How are you, Denise? I'm good today. How are you, mother? I'm fine, sweetheart. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I, my, my concern is that just on this past weekend, uh, 
alone. I've heard of three unexpected deaths. You know what? Just, um, mm-hmm. There's something wrong with our connection. You, uh, I'm hearing you as if you're in uh, uh, a pool of water. If you're speaking through water, try again, Denise. I, I'm getting every third per, part of every third word. Let's try it again. Okay. Can you hear me now? Let's try. Go ahead. Yeah. This okay. Is just give me one second. Uh, hello? I'm here. Go ahead. Try. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Mother, I'm just concerned. Um, just this past weekend alone, I heard of three unexpected deaths. People just dying, like a massive heart attack, things yeah. like that. And my concern, I mean, I think now people are knowing this vaccine has got something to do with this. These That's people right. shouldn't be dying. Right. My worry is that, yes, people are getting awakening to it, but people are dying without having made That's reconciliation right. to God. Mm-hmm. That's right. You know, and it's such it's a wrong, demonic but that's what's happening. Have, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so demonic because people are just dropping dead. Like I heard that three journalists died at the World Cup mm-hmm. who were healthy and well. And just that's it. They're just dead. dying. They're just dying. Um, the the effects of the of COVID vaccine. Um, some people with some people they're immediately with others they just go through. It's a pathogen goes through the body, and and destroy. Um, heart attacks is a big uh, result and, and other things as well. Which means, Denise, when, when people call in and say, how do we pre- prepare for Christ's se- second coming? And I always say, the way you would prepare if you knew you would die tonight. So if we have any mortal soul, any mortal sin on our soul, we should never, ever go to sleep that way because we could die from the effects of the vaccine uh, I think someone produced a film called Sudden Death. People are dying all over the world instantly, just dropping dead. It's from the vaccine. It's extremely frightening. People who didn't believe all this from the beginning um, thought it was a conspiracy theory when we were talking about it. But the effects are utterly devastating. It's a plan to reduce the population and control population. Um, so I would say don't, no, no uh, point in arguing about the vaccine now. Stop taking any boosters and don't take any further vaccine the government will come out with no matter what they say it's for. Stay away from them. Um, but what can we do about it is make sure there's no mortal sin in our soul. And um, again, for sin to be mortal, it needs to be grave. One needs to know it's grave. Um, and you need to do it anyway. In other words, one needs to know that if you commit a certain sin, um, living together without marriage, being intimate sexually, apart from a, a, a true marriage, homosexuality, uh, gossip uh, is is listed with more s- serious grave sins that can keep you out of heaven, um, uh, slander, all kinds of things. Uh, read First Corinthians. Um, if you're separated from God, don't wait to go to confession on Saturday. Don't wait. Don't go to sleep without reconciling yourself with God because you don't know. Maybe you've taken COVID and you'll be dead tomorrow. Maybe you'll be hit by a truck. Maybe something will happen that there's no understanding for or anticipation. But 
the way we go to sleep every day, the way we live every day will determine our eternity, Denise. So this is a good further wake-up call for people to um, uh, be right with God um, uh, apart from uh, dying suddenly. Yeah, it's. I know it's scary. I mean, I'm scared for the souls of I know. those who are out. You know, are lukewarm and you know putting well, off lukewarm their don't get into heaven. Anyone who is lukewarm will not be in heaven. Jesus said, "Cold or hot, if you're lukewarm, I spew you out of your mouth, my mouth. If you're cold, you're ignorant. You don't know. You don't have the faith. If you're hot, this is good. God wants us to live for Him. If you're lukewarm, meaning you." You know the faith, you claim to believe it, but you really don't live it. You will not be in heaven. Uh, the newsletter that I'm sending out um, is going to clarify that. And you say, but mother, you can't judge anybody. That's right, I can't. I can't, but God does, and he will. Um, uh, we cannot judge someone's heart. We cannot judge someone's motives, but we are to judge one another. God has told us that by their fruits you shall know them. And if you see someone in sin, a relationship that's not of God, and you keep silent, you are in sin for keeping silent. We have to tell one another. You see, you can't judge me. I don't judge your soul, but I judge your actions, and those actions will put you in hell. We, they may not receive it, but we must tell them, especially so many people now as the holidays are coming up, Christmas coming up, families visiting, they're afraid. They, they, they don't want to speak out. They don't want to separate the family. They don't want to hurt feelings. Well, you will be responsible. Your responsibility to spread the gospel that you have freely received, to spread it in love, speaking the truth in love. But if you fail to do that, because you don't want to hurt someone's feelings and you don't want to separate the family and you'd rather see them go to hell. Well, I wouldn't rather see them go to hell. Well, then you don't believe in hell. How could you have the way to heaven and keep it to yourself? How can you know that they're living a lifestyle that is on the road to hell and out of so-called human love of not wanting to offend, you keep it quiet? That's no love at all and you will be accountable to God for your silence. We need to speak the truth in love but we need to speak the truth. So, Denise, your call is good. Um, we just do not know what tomorrow brings or what the next minute brings. Sudden death. I, it's a film. I haven't seen it, but it's happening all over the world. People just, sports figures, just dropping on the sports field. It's it's very frightening. Okay. Thanks. All right, all right sweetheart. Blessed Christmas to you. Thanks, Denise. We have an email from Harrison, <clears throat> and Harrison says, Dear Mother Miriam, I hope you are well. I want to email you to seek your advice on how to deal with my eldest son. He's 23, and after graduating from college, moved far away from home. Nearly, oh, I think we started, um, Harrison, with this email yesterday, and I promised you it would be the first one we take today. Uh, your son is 23, and after graduating from college, moved far from home, nearly 600 miles, to live by himself. The problem is that he is an out and active homosexual and is carrying on a relationship with another man he met after moving. I'm concerned as well that he has left the Catholic faith. Well, he has. It stopped attending Mass, though he has not openly told so, told us that. <clears throat> 
We raised him in a Catholic household, sending him to Catholic elementary and middle school, briefly to a Catholic high school, um, before he ran away from there, and then attended a Catholic college. Benedictine in Atchison, that's a good Catholic college. We attended Mass with him weekly when he was a child and teenager and continued to do uh, continued to attend Mass weekly when he was home throughout college. He has received the sacraments and was confirmed in his senior year of high school. I'm not sure when he began to drift away, but it has become increasingly obvious that he has that he has drifted away to myself and my wife. <clears throat> he posts somewhat regularly on Facebook about his relationship with this man and I am concerned that he intends to take things further and thus further away from the faith. After he came out to us as gay last year in the spring, we questioned everything he had previously told us about himself and we wonder what else he has kept from us, namely that even though he has not told us that he does not believe anymore, that he doesn't believe, we did our best to raise him in the faith and his sisters too. Well, you can be sure he doesn't believe if he's living a lifestyle that it puts him on the road to hell. There's no way he can believe. A person wouldn't voluntarily do that. Um, We'll continue with this email as soon as we come back from the break, beloved. There'll still be time for you to call him with anything on your heart. We'll be right back. Join Father Mark Noonan in praying the Litany of Humility. O Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. From the desire of being esteemed, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being loved, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being honored, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being praised, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being preferred to others, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being consulted, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being approved, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being despised, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of suffering rebukes, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being calumniated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being forgotten, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being ridiculed, Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being wronged, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being suspected, deliver me, Jesus. That others may be loved more than I, Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be esteemed more than I, Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease, Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be chosen and I set aside, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be praised and I unnoticed. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be preferred to me in everything. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may become holier than I, provided that I may become as holy as I should. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. Amen.
Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment. Uh, it's 10 minutes, and our lines are open, so you still have time for call if you wish with anything on your heart. Toll free, one 511 5483 or email at mother at com. Excuse me. We're in the middle of a bit of a lengthy email by Harrison. I promised him I would take it today. He's talking about his eldest son, who's 23, who moved away from home 600 miles and has come out as gay and is in a relationship with a man. Um, and it seems that the relationship is deepening. And so... Um, Harrison says, my question for you is how do we approach him about his sinfulness and how should we work to bring him back to the faith? He shows no signs of embracing the faith and increasingly of rejecting it through his deep, through his deepening of his relationship with the other man, his openness in talking about it with other families on social media. I'm concerned that they will move in together and will try to marry even though it would not be a valid marriage. Harrison says, we are not sure if he attends Mass at all where he lives. Well, if he does, I pray he does not receive the Holy uh, Eucharist. Um, But we know there is a good Catholic parish nearby, and he has visited it with us when he comes, when we come to see him in the spring and the autumn. He, He must not receive the Eucharist, and you must tell him that. We know that the man he is seeing is not Catholic and that the man's parents are not Catholic either. We are concerned about the influence that atheism is having on our son's own beliefs. He's obviously rejected God and the faith. If we try to bring things up, he will usually respond with noncommittal or bland answers and try to change the subject. It is our belief that the only reason he has not explicitly said something is because we help him out financially a little bit by letting him stay on our car insurance and by keeping him on our phone plan. I'll tell you right now, Harrison, you have to quit both of those. You don't reward a, a, a lifestyle that is totally turned from what you've done in bringing him up and raising him, totally turned into sin, totally turned from God. You don't reward him by having him on your car insurance and on your phone plan. 23 years old, he's old enough to take care of himself. If he can move 600 miles away and get into a relationship, he can handle that himself. You need to take him off your car insurance and off your phone plan. You can give him a week's notice, two weeks notice. That's it. Harrison says he will be coming home with the man he is in a relationship with for Christmas. You must not allow that, Harrison. He must not come home with that man. You said he's your eldest son. I assume you have other children. He must not come home with a man he's in a homosexual relationship with. That man must not be allowed in your house. You must say to him, son, you're in a a very sinful relationship that uh, has caused the death of Christ for that sin. Everyone in the whole testament for homosexuality was put to death. The scriptures say that no homosexual will ever enter the kingdom of God. You may not come home with them and live before us or even flaunt it in this house. 
you may not invite him. And if your son says, then I won't come either, so be it, that's his choice. Harrison says, should we tell him that help will be withdrawn if he continues to live a life of such open and unapologetic sin? No. No, you withdraw it, period, right now. And if he changes his lifestyle and returns to God and repents, you can help him out as you deem wise. Don't threaten him that it will happen. I'm telling you he's not going to leave this relationship. You need to cut things off right now and let him know how serious it is. And he must not come home with that friend. Should we just continue, Harrison says, to pray for him as we have done? Well, you certainly continue to pray, but you must not be silent. Should we confront him on the phone before then? Absolutely. And try and compel him to return to the church? You're not going to be able to compel him to return to the church. That's God's doing. But you must, um, uh, as much as you can, speak straightforward language from the catechism and from the scriptures on the utter seriousness of his sin before God, that he deserves death, and that's where he's headed to hell. He must know that. That doesn't say, well, there's no mercy and compassion in that. Oh, yes, there is. Christ died for you. He died for sin. Where's, where is not mercy in that? He took the death that was yours. Harrison says, or, or do that when he comes home. What are your thoughts, Mother, with God's grace? Harrison, Harrison, you need, I would say, write him a good letter. <coughs> but it's too close to Christmas for you to first do that. You need to call him. And you need to look up online the scriptures about, just put in Bible scriptures on homosexuality, or go to Bible Gateway and type in the word homosexual or homosexuality or men with men. Uh, read Romans uh, chapter 1, 1 Corinthians. Um, uh, you, must, you must call him and lovingly say to him, son, um, your mother and I have been truly agonizing over the way your life has gone. You are living in utter, utter grave sin. I can't tell you it's mortal. If you know that it is against the Catholic Church, which means that it's against God, and you do it freely, then you are in mortal sin. Mortal means death. You have separated yourself from God, and the moment you die, you will be in hell. You will not be in purgatory. You will not be in heaven in time. You are going to hell. And this man you say you care for is going to hell with you. That's not love. You say you care for someone. You care for them, and you are living a lifestyle with them that's going to put both of you in hell. There's no love in that. You must tell them the truth, Harrison. If your son rejects you, if he says, forget it, you and mom don't understand, I won't come home, you have to leave it be that. You have to let it be at that. You cannot support him in this lifestyle, which you are supporting him in with car insurance, with phone, and letting him come home for Christmas with his so-called partner. You must not. Well, we'll travel together. He, he just won't come in the house. Don't come. I don't want you to come. I don't want you to be here for Christmas and go out and, and be with him while you're in our house. I don't want that. You either come alone or you don't come. And it, it, no matter what it does, let God um, 
uh, let God deal with him. If you continue to allow his sinful lifestyle to be accepted by you, and it is accepted if you let him come home and you continue to support him, it's accepted. Even though you say to him, it's not good, what's the difference? There's no consequences to him. He's not in hell yet. You must deal strongly and sharply. Again, speak the truth in love, but speak the truth in, but speak the truth and don't give him one inch at all. Well, I know, Mom, Dad, I need to break it up. Give me some time. I said, no, it's not for me to give you time. I'm not going to give you time as sin. We could pray that God gives you time and doesn't put you to death on the spot. But it got nothing to do with us. You are the one that is prolonging your chances of being in hell. So you need to speak very, very clearly, Harrison, and anybody else. Christmas is coming up. If your children are in a homosexual relationship, man or woman, you need to not allow them in your house for Christmas. They can come, but not with a partner, and not discuss it with any family members at all. Um, there's the, oh, I wish it goes always so fast. There's our closing music, beloved. Um, we'll be with you tomorrow, God willing, and. Um, I might, let's see, Wednesday and Thursday, I might really try to take most of the program tomorrow and Thursday, at least a greater part, uh, for your calls just before the holidays so we can help and encourage one another. God bless you, dear ones, and be with you tomorrow.